They're serving you. They're worshiping you. We thank you for all the believers that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because of this. That when your word goes forth, it does not return void. So we just pray that you would continue to encourage them, provide for them, and just hold them up. We cannot understand what they're going through. Not too many of us have been through a war. So we just thank you for this opportunity that we could come alongside them in prayer because we know that you hear and you answer prayer. And we thank you in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Ah, good morning. See if we get something. Oh, oh, why not? One go for it. Oh, I'm I'm Stephen King. I'm glad to be here with you today. My wife Jane. We are missionaries with uh, Bible Centered Ministries (BCM). Um, we've been missionaries for about the last 15 years. Um, we got into ministry. It was interesting life. We had lives. Uh, my wife taught at a Christian school for 17, 18 years. I was in the IT world. We were very involved in our home church. I was, and we were at a couple's retreat when we were about four. I was about 42. And God just led us that weekend to say, it's time to leave what you're doing now and go do something else. And if you would have asked us 20 years ago, would we have been to any of these places? We would have said no. We would have, if you would have asked me in my life when I was 40, would I ever be ordained? I would have said, no, why would I need to do that? But uh, why would you invest thousands of hours in preparing and writing papers so that you could be quizzed for a day? <laughs> but, you know, God has his ways and his times. I look at our lives, something the way I look at Moses. You know, Moses was born in a Hebrew family, grew up and was educated in the Egyptian uh, palace and he needed to spend years tending sheep and then he was ready to do ministry for God and I look at that as sort of a pattern that fits my life you know I wasn't expecting this but God you know our vision when we got into ministry was this big and God's you know is this big and uh, I hope you experience that in your lives that you realize that what God is calling you to do today is important and uh, he prepares us today for what he has for us tomorrow. And uh, we never know where God is going to take us. I, I was thinking as the brother was up here sharing about send the light and spread the word. That's, that's what we're doing. What we're doing is called to spread the word. So Dave asked me a couple, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, would we be willing to speak here to, with a theme of so that you may know. So that you would know what is happening around the world in ministry. You know, what is God doing? Because God is doing amazing things. He's doing amazing things everywhere. I know we just saw Ukraine, and I saw pictures recently of church services in blown up churches that are packed full of people. And people are coming to Christ in this crisis. God is using and doing things that uh, we don't expect. And then, in sort of what's unexpected, Dave asked me to say a topic. Oh, this is, well, there we go. You know, he's like, why don't you talk about Tychius? 
And I was like, wow, that's one of those names when you're reading in the New Testament, you just go right on by. You know, there's lots of names. You know, we know the James and the Peters and the Pauls and the Timothys and the Tituses. But there's all sorts of names that are mentioned in there that in my life, you just glide right by. You read the names, you struggle to pronounce them. And uh, this man is a guy that we don't know a lot about. But he's mentioned in at least five passages. We're going to look at those because he gives us a foundation for what I want to do after that. He, is a, he was a member of Paul's ministry team. If we, when we think of Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus. The people in Ephesus, they, uh, the disciples there were baptized into John's baptism. They didn't really know Jesus Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit. And Paul baptizes them and you know, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul stays there for two years teaching and doing miracles. That's a place where these uh, Jewish sons of this Jewish high priest come there to do exorcisms. It's an amazing account there where the demon says, well, we know Jesus, we know Paul, but we don't know you. And they beat them up. It just, and then, then it goes and the gospel is growing and growing and it gets to the point where the, the people who made the false gods, they, they worshiped Demetrius, he was a goddess, they were worshiping her there. And you know, so many people are coming to Christ and these people are taking their pagan stuff and burning their books and burning their stuff. And the people that made these false gods, they get the whole city into an uproar. They get the whole place rioting. They want to destroy Paul, they want to destroy Christianity. And then we get to Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20 is where we first meet Tychius. Oops, I've gone too far. And in Acts chapter 20 it says, After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Artis, uh, Aristarchus, and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychius, and Trophimus of Asia. There was the first time we come across this guy, Tychius. He's part, of two, he's part of Paul's team. He's one of the disciples there in Ephesus. From there, we don't know a lot more about him. We see him in Titus 3. He's, Paul is saying to Titus in chapter 3, I want you to come to me, so I'm either going to send to you Artemis or Tychius so that you could come to me because Paul is going to spend the winter in Nicopolis, you know, we don't know a lot about that. We don't know. My guess is that Artemis went there because in 2 Timothy 4, he tells um, that Tychius is going to Ephesus because he's telling Timothy to come to him, make every effort to come to me soon for Demas, having loved the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica and Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take along Mark and bring with him with 
you, for he is useful for me for service. And there's an interesting one because Mark was the one with Paul and Barnabas that deserted them and Paul said he was useless. And here you have years later, now he's useless. But I have sent Tychius to Ephesus. Tychius was a guy that Paul trusted to go to a city to be responsible and to, for that church, to lead that church, to take care of that church, to inform that church. That's about all we know about this guy from the, from the his, history of him. But we come in the letters to Ephesians and Galatians, and to me, Paul gives him the greatest compliment. Tychius, he's the beloved brother and faithful servant of the Lord. Who of us would not want that to be told about us? Who of us would not want to be called my faithful brother, my beloved brother, my faithful servant of the Lord? What an excellent reputation this guy has. We don't know a lot for what he did. We know he must have been faithful, beloved, because Paul loved him. You know, Paul had this team, you know, we around him that helped him, that participated in the ministry that we don't know a lot about. We know a lot about Paul. So in Ephesians 6, it says, let me flip over. But that you might know about my, uh, how, but, but that you might know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. I, I have sort of a role today of Tychus. I have come here today to tell you about what's happening in the ministries. This morning in Sunday school, we looked at some stuff in Asia. Um, this, this service, we're going to look at some things that are happening today with our brothers and sisters in, in Africa. See how God is doing things. What's happening and how God is working and growing his church, his body in that part of the world. You know, and we think of missions. We think of people from North America going to Africa. But if you would go to some of our inner cities, I know Nigerian church planters that we've known from Nigeria who are now in Atlanta and in Brooklyn and in places in our country planting churches. Why? Because it's everybody to everywhere. God's plan is for everyone to be participating. And then we go to Colossians 4, the end of Colossians. He comes there and says in uh, verse 7 and 8, As to all my affairs, Tychius, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant and Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and brother, who is one of your number. So here is Paul sending him also to the church in Colossae. You know, he's calling Tychius a bondservant. You know, Paul's mindset was Paul was a servant of God. That, that mindset of a bondservant, he's enslaved to God, he's enslaved to the ministry. You know, what, what a wonderful reputation for this guy. You know, I was just thinking about him this past week, you know, just pondering. Would, I would love that to be said someday about me when my life's over, that he was beloved brother, he was a faithful servant, he was a bond servant to, to our Savior, our Lord. This guy was committed, 
and he was a messenger. You know, we, Jane and I have spent a lot of time in Africa. And uh, you think in Colossae and Ephesus, he's both there taking a letter. I'm, I'm expecting that he's carrying news and he's carrying the letter to the Ephesians. He's carrying the letter to the church at Colossae. And when we're in Africa, in Nigeria particularly, we're often given letters. They're saying, oh, you're traveling from the capital city down up north to, to Kano, six-hour drive up north. Will you take this letter and give it to so-and-so? Will you take this letter and bring it to... Because why their postage systems aren't that effective. Lots of people in that part of the world don't have all the technology we have. We like email and messenger and texting. They have, you know, take this piece of paper in this envelope and bring it to so-and-so to give him the news. You know, that was how the postage system worked in the time of uh, the first century Roman world. And in parts of our world, that's how the postage system still works today. How many of us will, oh, in our family and friend circles, you know, you get a piece of news and uh, I know my wife's mother is the, 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 the news chain to the extended family. You know, you want the family to know something, you tell her. That same sort of system is happening in that part of the world, and it's still happening today. So we're going to talk this morning about what God is doing in Africa. Because God is doing things. The gospel is going forward. You know, our ministry, my wife and I ministry, we started in Africa training children's ministry workers. We looked at 2 Timothy 2.2 as our model of how to go about doing this, which says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses instruct entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. That idea that Paul telling Timothy to find faithful men that he'll teach, that'll go and teach others. That idea of multiplication. And uh, we have spent a lot of time doing that in a lot of places of Africa. When we first were in Nigeria in 2010, training Sunday school teachers, they say, oh, you need to come here and spend your life doing this. The denomination we were helping at that time had 7,000 churches. Six million members spread out. And these are small little churches. These are churches that many of them would fit in a, uh, in a shed in our world. You know, they're, they're 12 feet by 20 feet. They're small little in village by village by village. And we said, there's no way we could possibly have enough time in our life to visit all those places, to do all the training. And what we did, we worked with them. We developed a four-week training plan. We would do a week a year, come back every year, you go from week one, next year you come back week two, and we kept cycling. We've trained 200 Nigerian trainers to go to these different churches and train Sunday school teachers. That's what we've multiplied ourselves. We've, we spent two months in 2014 in the country of Niger in the Sahara Desert. It's interesting when you have malaria and it's about 108 degrees out, and you're in a mud block room with a tin roof and uh, it's just hot and there's no electricity and you're teaching all day. And we just, you know, we hadn't seen a lot of fruit out of that. But just this past year, we get the message from the, from the, 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 the national worker who had organized anything and saying, we are finally being able to see fruit from the ministry you did. It's taken years for them internally to get to 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 move forward 
And that's a country, Niger, where literacy rate is less than one out of five people. Can you imagine if only one out of five of us could read? What does that mean for studying the Bible? What does that mean for teaching? What does that mean for your economy? What does that mean for business? It's a hard place. It's one of the five poorest countries in the world. But God is working there, slowly but surely. When we were there in 2014, there was 30 million, the population was 30 million. No, there was population was 16 million and there was less than 30,000 Christians. Christians were very tiny, but it's growing. Slowly but surely, that's a place that's dominated by Islam. But enough about us. What I really want to do is talk to you about what the national workers are doing in these countries. What are the Africans doing in their ministries? Because, as Dave said, I'm responsible for BCM's ministries in Africa and Asia. Our ministries in Africa and Asia are fully run by national workers, which means there's no Westerners that are full-time workers in Africa and Asia. Yes, we go in on short-term for training and equipment building, but our work of children's ministry and church planting is done by the people of those countries. Why? In one sense, they, they don't have the struggles we have of learning how to live in a different part of the world, of understanding culture and language, but also because they are fully capable. They are, they are the same as we are. They are just people. They, they live in a much harder environment. But we'll start here in Madagascar. Madagascar is a country, on, uh, it's an island country off of the east coast of, uh, of Africa. It is a country where there is been a five-year drought. There's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of poverty. It's a country that is really hard to live in. I was there in November. We were at this school for a children's program. It's in the mid-90s there. It was outside. We stood there for two hours. There were six of us that each were expected to speak for 20 minutes. And they sat there. They stood there. We stood there. It was hot. We can't imagine that as Americans, having a two-hour assembly here at your school and have all the kids stand out in the field and have your speakers stand out there and just do it for two hours. That is normal in their part of the world. Lots and lots of children, they have uniforms, which are just those blue smocks. Our director there is back to us, Harry, and he has a name that's about 15 syllables long, so we just call him Harry, which is the last syllable of his name is an evangelist and has a passion for children and children's ministry. And we are doing amazing thing. The team there does Bible clubs in public schools and in private schools. The, the missionary, one of our missionaries there, Sahandra, she goes to a school, a public school, and does a Bible club in the first grade, and then in the second grade, and in the third grade the fourth grade, the fifth grade. Well, every grade they let her do a Bible club. She spends, she reaches over 2,000 kids every week with her Bible club ministry. And there she is on the picture on the, on the right. She's uh, in the white sweatshirt. Every Saturday morning, she does a ministry to, to, to street kids. 
They take care of about a dozen orphans that live on, that are street kids living in the neighborhood that they feed and clothe. And that's a Bible club. The other picture is another Bible club, and that's just under a tree. Lots of kids, many, many, many kids in this part of the world. While I was there, we had the opportunity to spend a day of training young workers, young Christian workers. We spent a full day talking about how ministry needs to be prayer-based, Bible-based, God-focused. Has to be. We spent a day of teaching them how to do ministry. And we're hoping out of this group we will see several of them become missionaries and Bible club missionaries in Madagascar. There, there's a Bible school nearby here run by the ministry. Uh, what's that little ministry? I can't even think of the name. It was run by the guy at the right crossing the switchblade years ago. David His ministry. We, the, yeah, well, not the Teen Challenge part, but their minister, school of ministry. It's a, it's a two-year program, not far from here. We have two students from Madagascar that are there being trained and plan to go back to do ministry in Madagascar. It's, uh, God is doing things there in their world. Every time I'm there, we also do an outreach. We drive a couple hours outside of the city. And they pull up, they put out their big speakers, they run a generator, they start singing some um, gospel choruses and hymns. And you're in a place where you don't think there's anything, and the next thing you know, there's 100, 200 people, and then we preach. But as we go to these places, you drive through this countryside, and you see on the hilltops little altars, little things, and they... You know, we read in the Old Testament where they made the high places and the altars and the different kings, either they built up these altars or guys, kings like Job would destroy them because that was the high places in these altars are where they do their, their false worship. They worship demons. They're, in this country, the, there's not enough medical care and the president says, well, go use the witch doctors because there isn't enough medical care. Can you imagine that? It's hard for us to imagine, but this is a country in dire need of the gospel. And we have a small team there working and just filling their, their lives, ministering to children. We're already seeing some churches being ready to be formed out of this ministry. Because as I shared in the Sunday school, we see in many parts of the world, you go to a place, you start with children's ministry, and several years later, a church forms out of that ministry of reaching children. To keep the clock going, I want to go to Uganda. Uganda is the youngest country in the world. The average age in Uganda is 14. Think about that. Think about what your church here would be like if half of your church was under 14. It'd be very different. I was at a church there oh, last May. They had one adult service. They had five Sunday school services. They had 1,000 kids in their Sunday school. They brought in 200. They had a, every hour a different Sunday school class. So much potential. You know, you ask yourself, why was there so, why is the population so young? AIDS killed lots of people in this country. And Idi Amin, those of us who have been around a while remember who Idi Amin was and the violence he did and the genocides he did. Our director there, his 
his family members were killed by Idi Amin's uh, soldiers. He almost was killed. He was, he's got a fantastic testimony, but basically some man fell on top of him when he was like seven or eight when they were shooting down the men in his village. And he, he lived because somebody fell on top of him. And he's doing excellent. Oh, we're doing so much good work there. This is the most recent country where BCM is officially formed. I am there. We spent a day with the, their board members. They have a board, a BCM, if you've gotten a board. Really fantastic people. What we spend time with is saying, let's look at our, our country, our ministries, our churches, and where are the places that aren't being ministered to? Where are the gaps? Where are the holes as we look at the whole country? And those are the things we're focusing on. We've, we've found two places where we're focusing. We're focusing on training of children's ministry workers in the seminaries. Because a lot of seminaries there, even a lot of American seminaries, you can go to seminary, get a four-year degree, and only spend three or four hours on children's ministry. It's a small topic. You spend your time on deep theologies and all sorts of other things, which are important. But when you go to a country and half the population is under 14, you need to know how to do children's ministry. So our focus there is children's ministry. I am here. We signed a partnership there while I was there with uh, one of the, the largest Christian seminaries. They have three campuses in Uganda to introduce a children's ministry track to the pastoral training, which we believe is going to pay dividends as we prepare pastors to go into a country with so many children to be able to do effective children's ministry. The other thing we did is we have a nine-month program where we train trainers of trainers. We take young people in and put them through several weeks of intensive residential training at a facility. Then we send them home with homework and write papers. And then we send them out, get posted to some churches for the last two months to get practical experiences. And now we've developed out of these people teams of people to go into the, all the different regions of Uganda and, uh, and grow children's ministry. That was last year's group. This year, Lord willing, we're starting another group. There was 39 graduates last year. Um, the church in Africa, the church in Uganda, there's a, a lot of stress there. This is a news clip that just happened just a couple weeks ago where the Anglican Church in England has blessed same-sex marriages and has saying we're going to do that and we're blessing it. And the Anglican churches in Africa and Asia have all broken with the, with the, the English Anglican church. They're saying the truth comes from the Bible. Uh, you know, the, their, their leader for their church was like, this is sin, it's wrong, we're not going to do this. The, I have a news clip that happened maybe about six weeks ago. The president of Uganda, along with several other presidents, in, uh, of African countries were invited to the White House, where the White House, you know, is pushing the agenda, all these progressive agendas, the LGBTQ agenda, the, the ESG agenda, all these progressive things they are pushing on the African governments. And it was interesting, this African 
this Uganda president who's not a righteous guy, but saying, we're not going to do this. This is not part of Africa. This is not part of our culture. But between the American government and many small countries around the world, we are pushing the things that we see on the nightly news that are happening in our schools and our societies around the world. We need to pray for that because these countries, they rely on support and we're tying monetary support to their economies, to implementing the policies that they, our government wants them to see. But they're standing strong. And we had the opportunity just recently in one of the Anglican dioceses that has 764 churches with like a, that they've asked BCM to come into them and help them to remold and rebuild their Sunday school program in 764 churches. And we're gonna put a Bible-based program into their, and train their teachers to teach the Bible well. And there are 30 dioceses in, in Uganda and Lord willing, if we're effective here, we'll be, have the ability to push effective Bible training into thousands of churches throughout Uganda. There's such a need and God is doing things that we would have never expected. If you were to ask me about Uganda two years ago, we were just in conversation with some people that we had trained there. And God moves in ways to grow things, to do fantastic things. From here, I wanna go to Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is a country very poor again. I was in Zimbabwe in November visiting a couple of our congregations and I was in a 12-hour car ride. My Apple Watch thought that I walked eight miles on that 12-hour car ride. You know, you joke about the little road from here over to the, the motel. Imagine that road for 12 hours. You, know, you get beat up, but these people live, it's poverty, there's not very many people with automobiles. People walk everywhere. Again, we do a lot of children's ministry. Lots and lots of children's ministry, which become church plants. Oh, a few years ago, I was there, and we visited this village where they wanted to start a children's ministry. And it was interesting because mo most of Africa still has their whole tribal chiefs, their tribal leaders, these tribal councils and chiefs and the postures and the protocols that they need to do to humble themselves, to walk in, to ask for help. Like they said, you can't leave the car, you have to stay here. And they walked, they were like bent over, shuffling their feet as they walked into the, the hut where the chiefs were. But we started there with a soccer out, soccer game, like a big soccer tournament. That was our start, which grew, out of that came a Bible club, and out of that came a church, and out of that came a baptism. Oops, I'll go one more. This baptism here comes out of a church that started with a soccer retreat. The day we were there, I was there, I was participating in that baptism. They said it would be a short walk. Well, it was, it was about 110 degrees out, it was, it was about eight or nine mile walk over, it's like walking north from here over like the, the Blue Mountain Ridge. It's like two of those, a short walk. The, we, we baptized 75 people that day in dark, muddy water. 
When I got back that night to the guest house we were staying, I, I stayed in my clothes and I just stood in the shower and you just see mud just coming off those clothes. Some of those clothes I, I never, never, never made it home. But God is doing things. And while we were at this baptism at this place, we had someone show up and did, a, it was a full demonic outbreak. If you think about Jesus coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, meeting that father with that son, and that son with the convulsing with the demon, that was the picture I had in my mind as this lady showed up and a bunch of the men just stood around her and prayed for her. And she eventually came to her senses and walked off. The demonic world in Africa is alive and well. It's alive and well here, but it's pretty hidden here. But in that part of the world where they embrace all of that stuff, you just see it over and over and over again. But God is doing things. There were 75 people who came to Christ out of those two churches that started with a sports outreach. Amazing. Last country we'll go to is Eswatini. It used to be called Swaziland. Five years ago, when the king turned 50, he renamed the country. Eswatini and Swaziland are the same name. One is Swaziland is an English word. Eswatini is the same word, the land of the Swazis in their local language. This is another country with a tribal system and a federal government system. It's interesting to see the mixture. We don't sort of understand tribal leadership and federal you know, state government leadership. But we live in a world where we have, oh, I just got a tax bill this week, and I got a tax for the town, for the county, for the fire district, then you have your school tax, federal tax. We have all these government things, but we have it in our system, in our ways, and we understand it. They have it in their ways. Another place where we do lots of children's ministry. Lots and lots of children's ministry. The, the white guy in the middle there, his name is uh, Pastor Kobe, He's from South Africa. He was our driver who drove us to all over that, that trip. We were very concerned in Iswatini that our ministry was dying. We had two elderly missionaries. One of them, Martha is still alive, but she's pretty much housebound. She's probably late 80s. The other one, Asiana, she passed away during COVID. And we were worried, I had, probably been there every every other year for 10 years. And we're always with the older ladies, well, take us and show us, and we'd like to see the Bible clubs. And, and they're, oh, don't worry, we have volunteers, we have Bible clubs, but you, they never took us anywhere. So you're always like, oh, is this really gonna, and then they pass away, and then Martha's housebound. And we were just worried that the ministry was going away. But a year ago, in 20, October of 21, well, it's a year and a few months, we did an orientation for new missionaries in Africa, and two, two, they had sent two ladies to be there to participate in this orientation, and these ladies are fantastic. They have the network, they actually, the network of volunteer teachers has grown with them. We are doing training of children's workers, we're doing Bible clubs, and I see that the connection with local churches is strong. You know, we, I was at this, this Bible club here on top of a mountain. It took us three hours up dirt roads to get to this place where all these kids and all these people are doing Bible clubs. 
It reminded me of our, we used to have a small little pretend farm up on top of a mountain with some goats and some horses and chickens and dogs. And it reminded me a lot like this. And you're there and there's people, well, I, my house is on that hilltop and my house is there. The lady with the, in the picture on the right holding the thing, she makes her own, all her visual aids were all hand-drawn things that she made herself. But there, she was as good a Bible teacher as I've ever seen in my life. This little, this lady, rural Iswatini, not a lot of money. You know, it was like, oh, do you have a phone where we can do WhatsApp? Oh no, she has about a 15-year-old flip phone. <laughs> you know, it's like, have your son get you a phone where we could WhatsApp and we could, we could talk to you because their flip phones only work in the country. God is doing stuff. We see ministry happening, growing. We see churches being planted. I could go on and on and on from country after country. But my last story I'm going to tell you, here we are in Iswatini, and the ministry is growing, and they want to get a piece of property to put a ministry center. Because the, the, the missionary had passed away, our office was in her house, so her family, which is, which is all good and well for, you know, 30 years of ministry, but then how do you pass your house on to the next generation of ministry? So we went and met with the tribal council. The guy, there's like four guys in the middle there with a red shirt and a green striped shirt and a blue shirt and another whitish shirt. These were the tribal elders. One of them was the chief and the tribal elders. We met in there. Their, their government, their tribal headquarters there. It was, as an American, we're not a prepared to go and meet tribal chiefs and kings and understand the protocols. They were sitting down, but we had to keep our heads lower than their heads. And if you look at the picture, I'm probably the tallest person in that room. And, that, and it's interesting to keep your head down, not look at them in their face, they put an offering at their feet so we could have a meeting. But Lord willing, they're, they're going to assign us, BCM, a piece of land where we could put a ministry-based center in Swaziland. It's just so, so different. But we, I left that meeting feeling, and they, everybody left there feeling very positive that as their protocols and as their times go, which is slow, like any government in the world is slow, they will give us a piece of land that we will be able to build a ministry center because these missionaries there, they want to start a camping ministry there. They have all sorts of plans to grow. God willing, it'll grow. You know, time is coming to the end, but I could sit here and go country after country after country and tell you what God is doing. And God is doing his business, his way throughout the world. Be encouraged. The challenge for us here in the U.S. is to do the same thing that they're doing. Reach our communities. Reach our young people. Find ways to, to share the gospel. You know, I, I, you know I, I often, I said this morning, and I grabbed it out of my bag downstairs. I often in my bag, in my pocket, have something here. It has yellow, black, red, white, and green. Some of you might have known that. It's a wordless book. And it's interesting because usually I have that in my pocket. And you know, the, you meet people, you share people. And I could look at this, and just by looking at this, I could tell the gospel story from the colors. Find ways 
to share the gospel because God wants to see his church here in, I guess we're in Lebanon County, in Berks County, Dauphin County, Pennsylvania, U.S., North America. He wants it all to, th to thrive and grow because his heart is for everyone. You know, he wants, you know, if you have opportunities to go somewhere else in the world to do ministry, great, go and do that. But we all have a place where we live. We all have communities where we live. We all have neighbors. We all have families, coworkers, friends, relatives. Spread the word. Because I would love to be able to come back someday to these people in Africa and say, you know, I was in Jonestown, you know, in March of 23. And I heard now, a year from now, that they went out and they did their youth outreach and they reached 50 kids. 50 brand new kids are in this church from some of these outreaches and share to them what God is doing here because they want to hear what God is doing here just like you want to hear what God is doing there because God is for everyone. His people everywhere. Dave. Steve. I'm going to let Steve and Jane start to head over while I, as soon as we pray, but let them get out. Because we, we don't want to do too much mingling around here. We want to get over to the gym because the ladies that serve will not start serving until we are all over there. So for those that want to go over there and eat, let's just all go over there and we'll fellowship over there. If you're not ready to eat, just fellowship and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll pray for the food here, but yeah, so please don't hang around in here very long because they want to make sure everybody gets over there, and I hope everybody stays because I know there's going to be plenty of food. And just to close with Steve, it's, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about the Holy Spirit does this work. We, we don't do it. Without him and without the name of Christ, we're, we're nothing. So it's uh, amazing what takes place. It, it, it's overwhelming. You don't get a sense of the excitement just by looking at pictures. But when you go to those countries, those people are just, they're just bubbling over with excitement about what they can do and how they can teach. So let's uh, thank the Lord for today and uh, we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of your Son, Christ. The one who died for us to give us eternal life. We thank you for the ministry that you have given BCM and allowing us to be part of it and how the Holy Spirit guides and directs. We just continue to pray for the church and our brothers and sisters that you would protect them and guide them, encourage them until the day that we will all be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this day and for what's going to take place this afternoon with more ministry uh, stories and we just... Uh, Thank you for what has been provided, all the food that has been brought, that it might nourish us and encourage us as we go on our way. And we just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.